welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. We're going to cover part of Luke chapter 23, a pretty large section But after last week's message, uh, what we learned and discovered there, uh, we should sufficiently understand the background of this setting. Uh, In review, just briefly, the Roman governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, and Herod, who was a ruler over Galilee, have each concluded uh, themselves already now that Jesus is innocent of all charges. Uh, That is very important to this passage. They found he is not a revolutionary. He does not forbid paying taxes. Claiming to be king over a spiritual realm, uh, that, that may be odd or even humorous to someone like Pilate, but it isn't a violation of, uh, of Roman law, so it's certainly not punishable by death uh, through crucifixion. You remember in, in John chapter 18, we didn't get to read that part today, but that, that is the portion where Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this realm. So Pilate was not threatened by uh, uh, Jesus' claim to be king. But now Pilate becomes entangled, kind of embroiled in uh, some rapid-fire developments in Jesus' trial. First, the religious quarrel, this dispute over Jesus, uh, which actually Pilate had hoped to, to delegate, to, 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 um, to send to Herod, now that dispute is standing back in front of him again. So Jesus is back before Pilate again. Uh, second, Matthew 27 verse 19 reveals it is during this second examination by Pilate While he was sitting on the judgment seat, it says that his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. So, being a Roman, Pilate would have been far more superstitious than he would have been religiously orthodox in any way. Uh, So, her dream carries some weight with him. He's troubled by her dream. It it burdens him, and the burden's just going to get heavier. Why is that? Well, our third point is that he now sees crowds beginning to form. Large crowds are forming, uh, and they're demanding Pilate condemn Jesus, whom he has already officially announced is innocent. And they're wanting him to crucify him. Uh, I'm going to add one other As well, one other uh, fourth reason that I think Pilate is so concerned here, and uh, uh, this is my own conjecture. If you're not familiar, conjecture is a conclusion that uh, it's not explicit in the Bible, but but a calculation just based on observation, reason, logic. Um, I believe it is very likely that by this time. By the time that Jesus now returns to Pilate the second time from Herod, I think it's very likely that that Pilate has formally investigated exactly who Christ is. I think he has looked deeper into the identity of Jesus Christ. 
If his headquarters, the praetorium, that would have been Pilate's headquarters, if they were located in the what was called the Antonia Fortress, uh, which, which was the claim of the early Christians, uh, that fortress stood right next to the temple in Jerusalem. All right? uh, that is where Jesus' traditional route to the cross, the, the Via Della Rosa, that is where it began, from, from that fortress. But Jesus had made himself a high-profile prisoner. Think about this. During his first trial before Pilate, uh, the Jews asked for Jesus to be put to death. We know that from John 18, verse 23. So Pilate asked Jesus at that time, Are you the king of the Jews? To which he responded what? It is as you say, Jesus told Pilate. Um, now, now that response would have placed full responsibility on Pilate. Uh, he, he was the legal, legal magistrate. It would have put the responsibility on Pilate to verify uh, exactly the identity of who it was that they were trying to crucify. It would have been important for him uh, to know who it was they wanted to execute. You know, even today, when we think about uh, uh, punishment by death, when you think of the Supreme Court of Florida or, or, or any ruler who, who might execute someone, we would, we would find it essential that they have to verify who the someone is, Right? You, you don't just randomly put somebody to death. Even in that day in the legal uh, justice system, it would have been important for Pilate to understand exactly who it was he, they would be killing. Um, and as we discovered this last week, Pilate was not a fool. He was a very shrewd ruler, a smart guy in many ways. And, and there could come a lot of blowback from this on him. Uh, if a man claims to be a king a judge at some point would want to investigate that claim before you kill him, all right? Uh, for this reason, I suspect that Pilate probably, this is my conjecture, I suspect that Pilate probably dispatched uh, a court official of some kind uh, to walk next door to the temple to inquire about the birth records. Who, who is this guy? Uh, before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, the, the priests still maintained meticulous birth records of all the tribes, uh, exhaustive birth records, and, and I would have to assume that, that the birth records that included the Davidic dynasty of who was to be king, they must have had that on Rolodex, all right? I imagine they had pretty easy access to that lineage of King David would have been very important for them to keep. And substantiated by both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, uh, those men who may have consulted those same birth records at one point or another uh, when they wrote their Gospels, those records would insist the Davidic king at this time should be named Jesus Bar-Joseph, son of Joseph, and Mary... Of Nazareth, right? Born of the tribe of Judah, correct? Um, so I don't have textual evidence, and I haven't read it published anywhere, but plain logic for me, being Pilate, the ruler in the position that he's in and the accountability that he must face for his actions uh, before he handed them over uh, Jesus to be crucified, I think he would have found some confirmation in the temple uh, of who this man is. 
Who actually is Jesus? Um, we know Jesus is the rightful heir to the Davidic throne. He, he is. Uh, the, the genealogies contained in Matthew and in Luke affirm that. It was the affirmation of the early church even before 70 AD. The priests could have easily gone to the temple when there were claims made that he was of Davidic, Davidic dynasty. The priests could have gone to the temple and verified it right away. Is he who he claimed to be? They never go to that and claim that he was not the rightful heir to the throne. In fact, as I look, uh, was looking just this morning at Acts chapter 6, we're told that the, um, uh, at, at, at the point that uh, Stephen was, was about to be the, become the first martyr of the church, it is said that many of the priests came to believe that Jesus was a Christ as well. And I wouldn't doubt, the priests are at the temple, I wouldn't doubt at some point, they, they looked into it closer as well. And they came to the same determination that he truly was the king of the Jews. Um, Pilate, I think, becomes extremely disturbed now how these giant crowds are, continue to grow. And they're crying out for the crucifixion of, of Israel's king. Crying out for the true king. Uh, concerning the veracity of those temple records, uh, the late Dwight Pentecost, he was a long-time distinguished professor at Dallas Seminary, he writes this, The genealogies were available in the temple until 70 A.D. If Jesus had no claim to Davidic descent, the religious leaders would have surely consulted the records, and if not supportive of Jesus' claim, would have quickly condemned him. All right? Well, forgiving a false claim. Uh, but they didn't. They never made that assertion uh, concerning the birth records. Uh, Pilate knows Jesus is king. It's the reason Matthew 24 verse 22 says that Pilate said to him, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Uh, they all said, crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more saying, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water, he washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it to yourselves. All right? He's trying to wash his hands. And that attempt to wash his hands of this mutiny that is going on uh, is also the reason I propose we find in John 19, uh, 19 verse 19, we read it earlier, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. You know, Pilate went to some detail in this. And so the chief priests and the Jews were saying, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. I, I think it's at that point, Pilate's saying, This is my conclusion. At least in, in the standpoint of Israel in their dynasty, I have written. And uh, he knew that Jesus was of the Davidic dynasty, I propose. Uh, he knew that Jesus was innocent of all charges against him. And, and now they're calling out for his murder. You know, you know, what a situation Pilate is left in. It greatly disturbed him. All of this, I suggest, is, is the background 
to our passage as I read from Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 13. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. Nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I will punish him and, replete and release him. Now he was uh, obligated or obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out all together saying, Away with this man and release for us Barabbas. He, w- he was the one who had been thrown in prison for an, an insurrection made in the city and for murder. Pilate Wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify! Crucify him! And he said to them a third time, Why? What evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death, therefore I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices, asking that Jesus be crucified, and their voices began to prevail, and Pilate Pronounce sentence that their demand be granted, and he released the man they were asking for, whom had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, but he delivered Jesus to their will. You know, in, in, in John chapter 19, Pilate asks, Shall I crucify your king? And, and they have got Pilate here. He, he's Pinched in a vice. Really, this is Pilate's big squeeze. He's under an enormous amount of pressure. Talking about finding yourself between a rock and a hard place. Um, Having examined Jesus, there exists no guilt. None of the charges stick. Even his claim to be king appears legit. So, if Pilate listens to the crowds now and crucifies Christ, he becomes a judge who violates all parameters of jurisprudence. All law and order, uh, Roman civics, he will violate. And believe it or not, though Rome, uh, they respected none of their political adversaries. They had no respect for other regimes of any kind. But they were enormously proud of their legal system. They truly were. They had the ability to render justice. They punished rebels and anarchists. You'll see a couple of them hanging on the cross next to Jesus. They, they, they did punish those who were, who were outlaws. Those who were deemed innocent, however, they, they typically exonerated them. They, they were a society that believed in justice and, and foundational tenets of jurisprudence were one of the contributing factors that allowed the Roman Empire to survive for, for about five centuries. It allowed them to function as a society. And, and Pilate, he, he fears violating Roman law and ethics. He, he fears that. He knows crucifying an innocent king, crucifying an innocent man, that could come back to haunt him. 
It could come back on him later. So in verse 14, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges that you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. And, and Pilate, he, he's just increasingly alarmed by the actions of this crowd. He repeats his declaration of innocence. Note here for emphasis. Note the emphasis on this. Scripture says in verse 22, for the third time, the third time, and he said to them the third time, why, what evil has this man done? I found no guilt, demanding death, therefore I will punish and release him. You know, know, Scripture gives enormous stress, an enormous amount of evidence uh, to the fact that Jesus was innocent. He, he posed no threat to Rome. They weren't afraid of him, uh, but these crowds do. They pose a threat now to Rome, and the, the people are turning nuts. They're, they're, they're going crazy. The pressure keeps increasing. The spiritual leadership wants Jesus dead, so they've, they've incited the crowd to act irrational. Accusing Jesus, uh, the religious leaders are accusing him of being an, an imposter. You know, think about that. The, the same, many in this same crowd just days ago welcomed Christ as he rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem. Just days earlier, hailing him as the Christ. And they, their desire was that he would come with his power, with his authority, and that, that Jesus would liberate them from Roman oppression. That's what they saw as a Savior. Fix our political situation. That's what they wanted. Um, a Messiah who would liberate them from Rome. But now they see that Rome has Jesus, has him bound, standing there before him. He's bloodied. He is beaten from the interrogations. Uh, the soldiers have even decorated Jesus up some with with that purple robe. They've put a crown of thorns on his head by this time already. Blood is dripping down Jesus' face. And he no longer looks like a a Messiah who can liberate them from Rome. Uh, He he looks actually now, it's a picture of a fraud. That's what they're seeing, bound before the Romans. He didn't have any authority over them uh, as they could see. So, so he is beginning to look like an imposter. They feel they've been betrayed, all right? This man who they welcomed just a few days earlier. earlier. So Pilate, he, he starts grasping at straws. Starts, starts trying to figure out what he's going to do, and he remembers that there is a tradition on Passover. The tradition is that Rome always releases... One prisoner at Passover. And, and he, he tells these throbbing crowds now that he's going to give this Jesus the pardon. Okay? Verse 18, But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man, and release for us Barabbas. In parentheses there, you'll see it says, He was the one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city, and for murder. Can you imagine that? 
There's an innocent man who they want to crucify. And then there's another man who has led an insurrection in their city. He's arrested. He's also a murderer. An insurrectionist and a murderer who is destroying their civil society. And they want him released. Could that happen? In a society that someone who has been destroying the culture and is apprehended by authorities that the people would demand that they be, re- be released? Yeah, come out and burn some more. You know, can that ever happen? People are nuts. People are absolutely crazy. Um, Pilate wanting to release Jesus addressed them again, but they kept on calling out saying, crucify, crucify him. And, and they're, they're increasing the pressure on Pilate. Increasing the pressure to violate Roman law. And, and how, how can Pilate execute a man that he has already pronounced innocent three times? Publicly pronounced innocent three times. How can he possibly now crucify him? He, he can't. He can't. Um, So in John 19, verse 6, Pilate responds, Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Make that the fourth time. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, it is said that he was even more afraid. We'll add to the claim uh, through his wife's dream uh, that he is now the son of God. You know, Pilate's superstition meter, it's got to be pegged out at redline, all right? Superstitious man. He found zero guilt. Jesus' claim to be king seems legit. And, And now the crowd says he also claims to be God's son. So everything else is panned out that Pilate has looked into. And Pilate, you know, he just probably just requested a, a big box of Elka-Seltzer, you know. His stomach is turning. Like, what am I going to do? What dare I do to make this problem go away? And uh, his stomach is a bit upset. But in Luke 23, verse 23, they were insistent with loud voices asking that Jesus be crucified, and their voices began to prevail. You know, the power of the mob is overpowering Pilate. And uh, um, he, he does not want to concede, but their rage is about to turn... Uh, turn into a riot in Jerusalem, into an angry mob, uh, right in the middle of Passover, by the way. Uh, the exact scenario that Pilate was appointed governor to prevent, prevent uprisings in Judea. Uh, so his choices are either kill an innocent man, crucify one who is innocent, or face a mass insurrection in the city. That's where he's at, one or the other. He has to make a choice. Um, don't forget also that uh, Pilate knows there are extreme zealots in this crowd, zealots to overthrow uh, Rome are mixed in amongst them, whose supreme goal, by the way, is to 
is to overthrow Roman authority. There are a bunch of zealots uh, mixed in with this. Uh, It will be these same zealots who will eventually mount a rebellion in 66 AD, and they do successfully take over Jerusalem at that time. And uh, sadly, it results in the Roman general Titus coming in and and crushing uh, the city in 70 AD crushing the city entirely. Over a, a million Jews are estimated as having died because these zealots stir up this rebellion in 66 AD. Uh, fulfilling, by the way, another prophecy of Christ. For, for Titus dismantled the entire temple brick by brick, block by block. As Jesus had said uh, uh, in regards to the temple, there will not be another stone that will not be left unturned. So again, prophecy is fulfilled. Um, but there, there are professional agitators in the crowd that, that want nothing more than to, to incite a national rebellion, to turn things completely upside down. If that occurs, you know, Pilate's going to be called to the boss in Rome, old Caesar. If Pilate allows this to happen, then, then his career's over. He'll, he'll be the one to have to answer for it. So what finally gets Pilate to cave? What do you think? Self-preservation. Self-preservation. What we saw it earlier during our scripture reading. Self-preservation is finally what tips the scale. How do I save my position? John 19 verse 12. Pilate made efforts to release Jesus, but the Jews cried out saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out, and he sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the pavement, but in in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for Passover, it was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. Nothing mattered uh, to Pilate more than self-preservation. And uh, the crowds demand Christ to be crucified. Uh, They're threatening civil unrest if they don't get their way. It's now officially... On court record, all right? The, the court stenographer has already put, put this down in record. Their claim, the people's claim is on record that Pilate, if he releases Jesus, is no friend to Caesar. That is their claim against Pilate now. And the result, if Jesus is released, would be Pilate's troops clashing against screaming Jews who are crying out, we have no king but Caesar. And you've got to crush that rebellion. Great scenario for him to be in. How would that play out for a Roman governor who was, who was meant to keep the peace? Suppressing large crowds that say we have no king but Caesar. That, that would not play out well for Pilate at all. You know, think about that. If you're Pilate, what do you do? What do you do? Well, he falls back and he punts. 
He punts. Matthew 27, verse 24. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Again, for the court record. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Then Pilate released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. You know, Pilate, he suppressed and he violated even his own conscience. Even his own conscience in order to preserve his position in life. You know, Scripture says, uh, what does it profit a man to save his whole life but forfeit his soul? All Pilate could think about is how do I hang on to this life for a little bit longer? And he was willing to deny Jesus in order to do it. Was Pilate innocent of what he did because he symbolically washed his hands in front of everyone? No. Was he innocent just because he verbally insisted that he was? No. No, this injustice that's occurring is in his jurisdiction. You know, Pilate's own declaration assures that that Jesus' death, it was a travesty what happened to him. Uh, But Pilate succumbed to the pressures of society and the Jews crucified Jesus under Pontius Pilate. He was responsible. He was responsible. Um, Folks, to establish yourself as innocent, to do that, you can't just claim that you're innocent. You, you can't just say it. I'm innocent. Doesn't work that way. You know, criminal, criminals in jail claim that all the time. I'm innocent. Um, that doesn't make them innocent. And to be innocent, you have to be found innocent by a righteous judge who has looked at the evidence and declared that you're innocent. You know, Pilate, he feared his wife's dream. He feared what he knew. He feared the actions of the mob because he was religiously superstitious. He rightly believed, he rightly believed he would eventually be held accountable for his actions. And he was. So he devised a, a cleansing idea. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cleanse myself by washing my hands here. And that will make it all the guilt of mine go away. Um, Folks, that did not wash his soul. Didn't wash his soul. He declared himself innocent before men, yet he remained guilty before God. You can claim you're innocent all you want. Uh, Pilate's concocted superstition that he made up in his own mind didn't benefit him anything. Didn't benefit anything. He too, therefore, was responsible for crucifying Christ. And, and though he could suppress his conscience, he still knew what he was doing. He still knew exactly what he was doing. Pilate knew that Jesus was the Christ. All evidence pointed to him as being king. He had been told that Jesus was God's son. 
He'd been told it. He'd heard the words. Pilate was even warned by his wife through a mystical dream. He had a sign given to him. It said, pay reverence to this man. Pay heed to this man. But dreams never saved anybody. So she had a dream. That doesn't save anyone. It was the evidence that was placed before Pilate that could have saved him. It could have saved him. But he believed it was better that he, that he choose a path of, of self-preservation that would preserve. He wanted to preserve his life as it is. That's what he wanted. It is written, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That is the way that Pilate took. Uh, you can't fabricate your own cleansing. Uh, You can't make up religion as you go. You must believe the truth in the Bible that says there is a supreme authority over all of us. And and that authority judges us rightly. Um, God ultimately deems who is guilty and who is innocent and who has trusted in His Son. There's going to be a verdict for every single one of us. Every single one of us. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy... Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confess- confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ, who testifies, testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. You might ask, what is that good confession? What is it? that the innocent Son of God was condemned to die for the sins of everyone who would put their faith in Him. For it is written, As many as received Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Uh, Those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God need to be born of God. Uh, do you believe that Christ is the sinless Son of God? That is the evidence. Who died for our sins and rose again. You know, Pilate saw the evidence that Jesus' testimony is true. He had heard it all. And now you have too. You've heard it as well. Uh, there are going to be a couple of testimonies played today on video at the end of our service in just a few moments after the Lord's Supper, of those who are going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, giving testimony that their faith is in Him. And I encourage you to listen closely today what they say. I'd also encourage the volume was down a little bit on the videos, so we remain real quiet after we pray at the end. I'll remind you again. Um, But uh, there's some good testimonies, very good testimonies. And and I invite the men now uh, to come forward for the Lord's Supper, as I, I would like to read a, just a, a brief observation from John Calvin concerning the many evidences here that were suppressed, uh, that, that Pilate hardened his heart against what he had heard, thinking he was preserving his life, but he lost it. Calvin writes, Although the thoughts which had passed through the mind of Pilate's wife during the day might be the cause of her dream, Yet there can be no doubt that she suffered these torments, not in a natural way, such as happens to us every day, but by an extraordinary inspiration of God. We ought to conclude that God the Father took many methods of attesting to the innocence of Christ, 
that it might appear, uh, it might evidently appear that he suffered death in the place of others. That is, in our place. God intended that Pilate should so frequently acquit Jesus with his own mouth before condemning him that in his undeserved condemnation, the true satisfaction for our sins might be all the more brightly displayed. That is the evidence. Jesus died the death we deserve. In partaking of the Lord's Supper, we do not, as Pilate did, profess our own innocence of what we've done, but we agree that Christ is innocent. And we look at the evidence, look towards the evidence of who is guilty. It's the person in the mirror every morning. We are guilty. It is our sin that held Christ to the cross. If you believe Christ died for your sins, that he rose from the dead, we invite you to partake in the Lord's Supper with us. Matthew, would you pray before distributing the...